So we talked about this on the podcast before, but when I was about four years old, um, my parents and I and my sister were coming home from a 4th of July event um, and some folks threw some fireworks at us. But I recently found out that it had to be a racialized event because the men that threw fireworks at us were white. The way I always thought I remembered the story as four-year-old Bethany was that they were neighborhood guys that threw the fireworks at us. I don't remember you telling the story on the podcast before. Do you remember Beth talking about this story on the podcast? Barely. Okay. I don't. I'm sure that you did at some point, but clearly I just have no memory of past episodes of the podcast. (laughs) But the, I do remember you telling the story you just don't remember how it went, right? I mean, I remember you telling the story, and I remember it always being kind of a North Philly's crazy kind of story, mm-hmm. where somebody threw fireworks at you, and they stuck to you, or what yeah. happened? So what happened is that we were walking home, and some folks pulled to the side, very 90s style, without GPS directions. They pulled off to the side, and it made my family think that they were going to ask us for directions. Mm-hmm. So we stopped and waited for them to roll down the window. And instead of requesting directions, the group of men in the car, the group of young men in the car, threw out fireworks. Um, and they started popping. I can kind of remember it being smoky. Mm-hmm. And I also remember that my dad hit me as That's little right. four-year-old yeah. Bethany remembers being confused and wondering why I got hit. Mm-hmm. What actually happened is that these white men were so honestly sinister. If you're throwing fireworks and explosive out at a, a young family with young children, mm-hmm. that they also attach something sticky to it. Mm-hmm. So it would stick to whoever they threw it at yeah. and explode on them. Mm-hmm. So when my dad smacked me, um, he was smacking the fireworks off and it exploded mm-hmm. as soon as he smacked it off of my leg. The story I always grew up with was that, or the story that I created, because I suppose I didn't have enough answers as a right. four-year-old, yeah, fast. and it happened fast, yeah. and my family has a tendency not to talk about things that are traumatic. We just move on. Yeah. Um, so the story that I created was that they were neighborhood guys. Maybe they were Black, maybe they were Puerto Rican, mm. but they were guys from the neighborhood, and we were just around the corner from my house. That story is wrong. We were actually 20 minutes away from our house on Spring Garden Street. Um, And like I said, it was a group of white men. So if you're throwing firebombs, basically fireworks, which are the same as firebombs at a black family, that's 100% racialized. And what was interesting to hear from my sister, I actually heard this story from my sister recently and she was six. It's very traumatic for her. She doesn't talk about it at all. Um, And she talks about how hard it was getting home. So the fireworks exploded, it deafened my mom in her ears. So she couldn't hear, Mm. we also couldn't see as a family. So imagine being parents to these- Because of the flashes? Yeah. Yeah. And like the smoke just kind of like, it just really had us in um, really disoriented. And my sister talks about how long it took us to get home and how scary and hard it was to get home because my, our parents couldn't hear and they were having trouble seeing. So, yeah. And it's been, we'll talk about this more, but it's been shocking to hear and understand a story I've heard all my life in a totally different way 
And it also has a totally different meaning now. Spirit of incarceration dwells here. And then we moving by the pack, so we moving them. And even if you don't, then you do, cause you cool with them. They be like, I only went to school with them. Welcome to Color Correction, a Jesus-y podcast about race and faith from the perspective of a black girl, an Asian guy, and a white guy too. My name is Andrew. I use he, him pronouns. I'm Asian. My name is Bethany. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm a black woman. My name is Chris. I use he, him pronouns, and I'm a white man. And um, this is... We're, I guess we're on a monthly basis now, so this is our this is the July episode. Oh yeah, we can call it episodes by the month. Yeah, yeah our July cool. episode. Um, oh. The last episode we ended by telling everybody to go watch Little Mermaid because we've been using "Stay Black, right. Little Mermaid" well, as our they've tag. They've been using our idea. We were first. <laughs> that's that's, that's <laughs> not, not true. true. <laughs> it's literally not In true. In no shape or form is that true. <laughs> But, you know, I appreciate the way you said it. First. Yeah, you said it I, you were very confident. Yeah. For a second, I was like, did we come up with it first? Dang it. Um, did we dream of Black Mermaids? Yeah. <laughs> did we manifest that into existence? Right. Um, so, and we did end up all watching it together. Yeah. Which was fun. That was fun. Yeah. yeah. It was, was like a, a culmination of a, of a, of a, I don't know. I. Of a long period of. Joking about The Little Mermaid? Yeah, I have to say I was very surprised at y'all's takes on The Little Mermaid. How do you mean? Who's y'all? Both of you. Okay. Yeah, and Tess, too. Um, like, I... Uh-oh. You know, I, I, I was much more cynical about the whole thing. And I just, like, I, you all left me with a lot of questions. What are the questions? Yeah, what do you mean? Like, what the hell is wrong with you that you didn't like The Little Mermaid, Chris? <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I guess, like, for, I, like, had an aside with Andrew afterward, and I expected us to kind of be on the same page about, like, I mean, like, it, like it's cool that, like, Ariel is, is black, and, like, and actually, like, there's a lot more of a black cast throughout the movie. Um... But Eric is like still hella white and still is like, he still gives off a lot of colonist vibes. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't think of that. How do you mean? I mean, his whole, his whole thing is, is like, is about bringing more commerce to the island. That's his whole. Andrew said, how do you mean so quick? (laughs) I just want to know. Yeah. (laughs) Prince, Prince Eric's whole reason for wanting to like, like, it's like, get off the island is to expand and, and like bring more You don't think he just has a heart for adventure? You don't think he just wants to explore? Not in his own words, no. What no, I mean his like his, his adventure uh-huh. is is about consumption of resources. <laughs> that that was his that was his big song. <laughs> His big song was "I am what I want is consumption of resources." <laughs> oh, I guess not. I must not maybe remember not exactly. that lyric. 
Yeah, but I was just like... I don't know. I was yeah, surprised. He's kind of a flat character, too, to be so... Like, I mean, he... In, in, in of course he's a flat character, but... It, and and if anything, the live-action movie makes him more rounded than he is in the cartoon. Sure. Maybe. Which yeah. is, like, the cartoon, for whatever <laughs> reason... The flatter is the crap. <laughs> Sebastian seems like less of a kid. Yeah, I guess... I guess. Now you've got me thinking about something completely different. Now, I'm anyway, sorry, but please. what did you start thinking of, Eric? Whether Sebastian is a flatter character in the <laughs> in the movie. This is turning into a different podcast. <laughs> We're going into so much We're really Little Mermaid going detail. deep into this. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I I, I enjoyed it. I think it's because The Little Mermaid was meaningful to me as a kid, and also I have a really low bar when it comes to these Disney remakes because I think most of them. I think most of them are worse than bad. Most of them, I feel like they have wasted my time. <laughs> and I'm kind of angry about that. And they seem like yeah. such blatant cash grabs to me. Yeah. And I'm not somebody that thinks that like, oh, everything needs to be original and remakes are stupid. No, I think a remake is great if you could do something new and interesting with a yeah. story. Which I think they did. And I think they did. Yeah. And that's all I all I was hoping for. Yeah. I got that. Yeah. It reminded yeah. me of, do you remember Cinderella when it came on ABC? Yeah. It reminded me of that mm. very much yeah. with Brandy. Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah That's what it reminded that. me of. Okay. So I liked The Little Mermaid. I realized that it was a children's movie. <laughs> so I was getting bored at some uh -huh. point, but it was really cute. Okay. And like the music was good. I loved the diverse cast um, and it was really cute. So I was happy. I, I went too hard. Too hard. <laughs> that's, that's what happened. <laughs> I was, I was like, I'm somewhere in between both like, of you all. Andrew and Beth, what the heck? I thought of all the people who'd be on the same page with me on this, I was like, I was shocked. We're also, uh, this is where our age differences oh, make okay. a difference. But I did see it in the theater in 89. How old were you? Yeah. I was 10. Hmm. That old. I'm surprised you're not more connected to it. No, ten might be a little old for it. It might be at least just over. Yeah. That's probably what it is. I was excited to see it. Well, that's interesting. Um, I mean, I saw it. It came out in '89, right? Yeah. So I wasn't. I saw it on home video when I was like yeah, maybe six, and it, I wasn't old enough to really like not be able to connect with like girls on screen mm -hmm. in the way that I think. As you get older, it's yeah. like, oh, this is for girls. Like, I, I wasn't, I hadn't reached that age yet, so yeah. I was really into it. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I don't, I guess I wasn't either. Like, I, it, it, I was excited to see it, and it had been out for a while because I saw it in a dollar movie theater. Oh, like, that's funny. So I, I had not seen it yet. Everybody else had. And like, me and I think Scott Yorkston, like, like Scott Yorkston, shout out to you. Hey, Scott. <laughs> Wherever you are. Yo. Um, we saw it. We saw it with. I think his mom was watching. Like I remember. That's details. interesting. I wonder if it has more sentimental value for us, though. Yeah, hmm. yeah I wonder. Right. No, I'm. I, I like. Yeah. I that mean, day I, was in, that day was kind of cool, but. I mean, it's amazing that you remember that much detail about mm -hmm. it, though. I mean, for me, it was just like I had it on VHS. I watched it a lot. Me too. As a kid. Yeah. yeah. And then my middle name is Ariel. So that was like, oh, well, maybe I can be a mermaid too. Like, that's kind of what it felt like for me growing up. Like, oh, we got the same name. Maybe I'm a mermaid. And then I totally let that go by seven. <laughs> <laughs> I had let go of my dreams of mermaidhood by second grade. I'm, I'm, I apologize. I did not realize your middle name was Ariel. Mm -hmm. Bethany Ariel. I've always known there was a B.A. Stewart, but I didn't, I guess it never crossed my mind to ask you what, what the, the A, a was. 
<laughs> I'm just learning that right now on the podcast. Yes, the A is Ariel. But I mean, like, how often? How like how many middle names of, of your friends do you know? I felt I was I felt embarrassed. Just now, too. I'm actually glad that you, really all of them. I know all them bitches' middle names, and when I get mad, I'm gonna say Janelle Briant. Like I'm gonna call you by your middle name. Isn't it Lee? Yeah. Yeah, and yours is Jay John. Justin. Justin. Oh, I didn't know that either. Is. Okay. Right. Wow. The initial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know all night, all seventeen of my cousins on my mother's side's middle wow. names as well. I, I mean, like, okay, like again, Beth is just a better person than I am. Like, surprise. <laughs> I also wonder <laughs> if it's a cultural thing, like even playfully, if I'm irritated with you, I say your first and your middle name, and my yeah. mother does the same thing. That's really funny. Yeah. So I think that's why I know people's middle names, so it's I can fuss playful. at them. <laughs> it is. And my friends and cousins do the same thing to me. When I hear, uh, sometimes my friends will just call me Ariel, and that's when they're really serious. I'm like, so it's I'm both acting like, up. It's both this combination of nostalgia, but also like setting a lower bar and letting it just be a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. That's, how, that's how we came out with things so differently. I was, I was ready for it to be a commentary on, on race. and Because you, you The Little Mermaid was black, yeah. And you were all prepared to like let her be black and let the rest of it be bad. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I was preparing yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. that's how we. Yeah. <laughs> um, a couple of our listeners wrote in to tell us what they thought. Um, Allison said, "I took my whole family to see it, and we had a blast. Sparked some good conversations about parenting strategies too." Oh, that's interesting. I want to hear more about that, right. Allison. Cause, cause, I, I do too. Yeah, what does that mean? You know what? I like that she said that because honestly, I think one of the reasons I was telling you about this, Chris, that I connected with the movie as a kid was because Triton was such an asshole mm-hmm. and like would like raged and broke so stuff. Rigid. And I think I, I think I connected to that experience mm-hmm. of like not of being powerless against a parent that was just bigger mm-hmm. and had like, and would like just break stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Triton was always so hard for me to understand because the big figure parent for me was my mom. Mm-hmm. And like having a mean dad, I was like, huh, I don't understand this. Cause my dad just went to work and came home with toys on Friday. <laughs> it was very pleasant growing up. <laughs> um, and Tess said, when I talked about it with coworkers, someone mentioned about how the plot was kind of boring, but the original Little Mermaid plot is pretty similar. So we, should have expected that, I guess. <laughs> the songs and colors are pretty, so I was easily entertained. Plus, I'm a big Ursula fan, and that made it fun. Um, and I like I liked that Tess was texting us in the middle of her meeting, <laughs> where <laughs> only oh, white yeah. people dislike the movie, and like oh, despite and, like one of her coworkers was like, "I'm gonna say I liked it just out of solidarity." <laughs> like, I, I, one thing, though, I really wanted Ursula to be black. Because growing up, I think the voice actress was a black woman. The tone of her voice sounds black to me. And any cartoon that was fucking purple or blue, I always made them black. Skeeter, black. Uh, I'm like trying to think of other. Patty Mayonnaise was brown, so of course she was black to me. But I really want Melissa McCarthy being Ursula was not my favorite part of the movie. I really wanted it to be like a Danielle Brooks or somebody, not only a black woman, but a Broadway black woman mm-hmm. and a black woman would have ate that roll up. That's mm-hmm. my only critique. If it had been like, like a Broadway singing ass black lady, ate that roll up. That is the best song. It is. 
the best song. It really is. That is one thing Disney villains get. They get good ass songs. Yeah. Um, so now we have to seg into talking about this instance of racialized harm. <laughs> Which is clunky. Yeah, but I think it's fine to just acknowledge yeah. it and go right We're into it. All right. This was my experience of Beth, you realizing that the funny story you had always been telling was actually an incident. I actually never really thought it was funny. Okay. Yeah, I oh, really? always meant it explosively. All right. I, this was my, of, I guess, like, just this weird thing that happened to you right. as a kid. That's what I mean. yeah. 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 Was actually an incident of racialized violence. Yes. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm hanging out with my buddy, Mike Paul. At <laughs> oh, that's bar. right. Yeah. I text you. And then Beth texts me and she's like, you know the firecracker story I, I've been telling? Those guys were white. And I guess you had just talked to your sister. Yeah. And I was like, I I'm I want and I think I texted back like I, I I'm also a little surprised that you and your sister have never talked about this. Yeah. 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 Right. It's been such a part of our family yeah. narrative. There are certain stories. Our dog getting attacked by a pit bull on Christmas Eve. Um <laughs> This one time, uh, somebody fell on somebody at church. <laughs> like there are certain staple stories in my family that I hear over and over again, to a point that there's almost no more questions asked. Yeah. Like our stories just become the the truth, this narrative that we say, and there's no questions about it. Mm -hmm. I also think things like that when we do talk aren't the things that we talk about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I yeah, go ahead. I mean, then I'm interested. It's interesting that it even came up. Mm -hmm. How did it come How up? How did it come up? It came up because my sister. We were talking about something with white people, and my sister says, "Yeah, like those white devils that threw those fireworks at us." Mm -hmm. And I started laughing, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" She was like, "You know the story that we've talked about all our lives," and I said, "They weren't white." And she believed me. She was like, oh, you know, maybe I believe, maybe I remember it wrong. And then we called my mom and my mom was like, yes, that's that's the exact story. We were on Spring Garden Street. I literally thought we were around the corner from my house. Yeah. And I can picture it in my little kid, four-year-old head. Mm -hmm. So anyways, it just came up because we were having conversations um, about my mom and she made a flippant response, remark that made me, you know, curious. Like, what are you talking about? white yeah. people these were neighborhood guys so the way that the rest of your family had experienced that story do you think it was always like a story about your family getting attacked by a bunch of racists i don't think it was until i called all i texted you uh -huh. and then i called the family and said we got attacked by some racists like this what they threw a firebomb at us uh -huh. and now my family is like yes that is what happened. Mm -hmm. What do you mean? Yes. Like, why did it take thirty years for me to? That's what I want. That's what right, I find. Right. That's what I find interesting. What why did it take thirty years for you, for you specifically in your family, to connect the dots? I have no idea, and I probably should have talked to my family more uh -huh. before this episode. The past couple, the, I brought it up to my mom recently, and I was like, "Did you think of it as racialized violence?" And she said, no. Mm -hmm. And I have to ask her why. Yeah. We probably should have called my mom before this episode. Maybe we can call her afterwards and okay. add it into the episode. Can we call her right now? Uh, do you want to call her right now? <laughs> Let's we, could, call her. we could call her right now. Yeah. How do we get her on 
this recording. Um, do we want to invite her on as a guest? Let me, you want me to call her and find out? Uh, sure. Let's, yeah, why not? Oh, man. If, if this if this happens and this works out. She's not doing anything. She's, Hello. Hey, Gretch, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good, are you in the middle of anything? Uh-uh. Do you want to come on the podcast to talk about that um, fireworks incident? We're doing an episode about racialized violence, and that's the like catalyst into the episode. Oh, sure. So we specifically have qu- hard-hitting questions for you, Mom. All right. And the hardest-hitting question is, did you think of it as racialized violence, and why not? But don't answer right now because Andrew and Chris will yell at me can, because we can only it. talk about things if it's recorded. <laughs> but that's what we want to get clarity on is, is yeah, like what was that process like for you as a parent? And how did you think of, and how did you think of that incident? Can we send you a link real quick? Okay, sure. Okay. Yay. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Oh. All right, let's see if it'll work if you um, just forward it. If you forward it to her, I hope maybe it'll work. If she just clicks in on her phone. Okay, we'll wait for her. At worst, we can just put her on speakerphone, and I'll put mm-hmm. her right here. That could work. That might actually be easier. Okay, for you know her. what? Let's do that. Hey, Gretch, we're actually just going to put you on speaker. That might be easier, unless you have your laptop right next to you or something. Here's speaker. Say something. Something. <laughs> the guys are here. Hey, Andrew's holding hi, the phone. Andrew, hey, Chris. How oh, are nice you? Nice to hear your voice. It's nice to hear your voices. Yeah. All right. Um, so Beth was – Beth was – well, Beth basically said, I should have asked my mom this. And we were like, why don't we just give her a call? <laughs> yep. And that's and so here we are. And I guess our question, Beth was telling us the story about. Yes. I'm laughing because I feel like my mom is now like our featured special guest. She <laughs> needs great. like a name, VIP mom oh, or something. Oh, don't tell me that. I'll send you a bill. So Beth was telling us the story about. Um, your family being basically attacked by a bunch of guys with fireworks. Yeah. Um, it, it, it was an M80. It was an M80. Oh, that's, yeah. That's a quarter stick of dynamite. Is what that is. It's a, it was an M80, and it that's had a, a sticky substance on it that stuck to Bethany's leg, and my husband knocked it off. Yeah, that's that's a kind of explosive they used to like take out tree stumps. They, they were trying to very, hurt us. It's very yeah, that is in. Explosive. That's why I call it a firebomb. I'm not yeah. joking around. Yeah, okay. it wasn't, not, yeah when when you said firecracker, I was like, a, like. Uh, I've been saying uh, fireworks, and I've noticed that y'all say firecracker, and I'm like, where did firecracker come up? I should have said something earlier, but yeah. no, it was fireworks. Okay. It was an M80. Yes. Yeah. So. Well, basically, and it was loud. That's yeah, what no, I remember is the loud. noise. I can feel that noise in my body. Still. Yeah, no, I yeah, I remember that. Like, I it, it, really loud. it actually did permanent damage to my ear. Oh my um, 
And because uh, I had to go through all these tests and everything, and I forget what the exact diagnosis was at this time. Uh, I can't remember it, but it was like permanent damage to my ear, affecting balance and all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. But it was, you know, we were having so much fun walking home on Spring Garden from seeing the fantastic Philadelphia fireworks. And the, this car pulled up. And, you know, it pulled up by people who pull up to you to ask directions. And it was full of young white men. And I, I, I was closest and I had, I think I had Bethany's hand. And they just threw it out and it stuck to Bethany's leg. And my husband grabbed her immediately. He's always so quick. Rob, my husband is the one you want in the middle of a crisis. I'm, I'm not, trust me. And he immediately knocked it off of her leg and it exploded. And the sound was so loud, I thought, oh my God, I've lost my hearing. Mm -hmm. And it, the brightness of it, he was like, oh my God, I'm blind. So mm -hmm. there we were with these two little girls and and we were trying, you know, also trying to get away. We didn't know what, what was going on. It was so, it just had your mind like confused and just, you know, the, the, the noise, the light, the, you know, all of it, and your babies, my babies, mm -hmm. you know, but I just thank God. I always thank God that Rob had the presence of mind to knock that off of Bethany's leg because she might have lost part, part of her leg. Yeah, that sounds horrific. Yeah, That's like, it was horrific. That, I mean, so Beth was telling us that she, for the longest time, didn't realize that the, the attackers here were, were, were a bunch of white guys. Um, yeah, I, that surprised me. I didn't know she didn't know that. I yeah. didn't know because I think in the telling of it, we mostly told about the just terror of it. Mm -hmm. right. Uh, right. You right. know, that's that's what was told. And then when I said to her, they were young white guys. It had to be racial. You no, know, it was Francesca. Girl, you are telling girl, you are telling a totally different story. Francesca told me that it was white guys. We called you and then I said that it was racialized and you went, Oh, I guess it was. Um, you you know I'm on chemotherapy and can't remember stuff, so have some grace. <laughs> Which what you're not gonna do is come on the podcast stealing my glory. <laughs> Uh, Isn't that awful? <laughs> well, Miss Greta, I guess my, the, our question here, what we're what we're wondering is, so do do you think you connected the dots in terms of how it was basically a hate crime? At the, at I I did. I'm surprised I never said it, but I did it immediately because I remember the face of the young man that threw it out and the smile of glee that was on his face when he threw it. So you did always feel like it was racialized. Oh yes. Okay. Mm. Interesting, but I guess that wasn't I just didn't express that to you all. But I just re I remember that smile. I can still yeah. see it. He 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 had dark hair, and I can see his his smile when he threw that out. He was like so glad when I came up to because I walked towards his car thinking that they needed directions, and he just had there was just glee on his face. It's so interesting. Do you think, I wonder why that wasn't the feature in your retellings? Because it was so serious. I, I was, was terrified at the thought of what could have happened to your leg, 
I couldn't hear and your dad couldn't see. And we had to kind of just hold on and make our way home. You know what I mean? It was just so traumatic. Mm. Yeah, but do you get what I'm saying about in the retellings over the last almost 30 years? I wonder why the racialized element wasn't a feature before. Like, or do you think, do you think that what stands out to you most was getting home as opposed to the racialized element. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely getting away from it all. Because it, it was a car full of young boys, and here we are with two little girls, you know? Mm-hmm. And we just wanted to get away from everything. We just wanted... And, and you know, we weren't... Spring Garden wasn't far from our house, but it was far enough that it was like, we just want to get home. Yeah, now, it's like a 20-minute walk. I, if I were to ask one of my siblings about the retelling of this story, I bet you they would say, oh, they were young white kids in the car. Mm-hmm. I probably told them. But with you all being there and everything, I didn't focus on that. I, I had to focus on then going to the doctor, getting all those, the, going through that battery of tests for my ears. And you Do you know. think you guys were nervous about making us think that all white people were racist or something? Because this is no, the 90s. No. You don't think so? I would have just said it. <laughs> you wouldn't have just said it to a four and six year old. I, just, so. I don't know why I didn't say that huh. to you all. Hmm. Uh, well, Francesca knew. was on what happened to us. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Huh. I, you know, I wonder, and I, I hope, I, I don't necessarily want to add to the memory, but I, like, I wonder if, like, because... What if this was just in, like, if it might have just been implied in your in your retelling, like this could only have been done as a hate crime. So obviously, I wonder that yeah. too. Like, was there just an assumption that this would be white guys? Yeah, I I remember when I told like your, your uncle Fred, my sister Gail, I just said it was it was a car full of young white guys. Mm-hmm. And they act. They they came over like they needed directions. Mm-hmm. I I would almost I put money on the fact that I told that when I was telling the story to people, I told them it was a car full of young white guys. Mm-hmm. And did you also say that like it was a racialized attack? Did it feel I like we got fired on our injuries? Okay. So yeah. it didn't necessarily feel like we got firebombed by a bunch of white guys. It just felt like we happened to be attacked by people who were also white. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's what it was. That's the way you're talking about it even now. That's what it kind of sounds like to me. I yeah. think since I brought up that it was racist, I think now you're like, oh, yeah, it definitely was. But in the no, way that you. I always thought that. Really? I just didn't focus on that yeah. because of our injuries. I, I was. I, I really focus on what, because it affected my hearing. It affected me. You know what I mean? And maybe because you also grew up in such a violently racist place that it was like, of course this would happen. And also here are our injuries, which are a bigger deal. Now, what's interesting about that statement is, yes, I grew up in Fayette County in Western Pennsylvania in a highly racist town, but our family was so respected. I never had to worry about stuff like that. That wasn't going to happen to a Reynolds in Connorsville. That's not true, Mom, because you were scared. You were afraid of the mountain boys. I, I, 
when they would go through those, um, there was always like every three years there would be racial issues. Yeah. And for that, I, I didn't, I didn't like them. But also we were, we were never, we were never targeted. Cause I can remember, uh, like with my sister Valerie, uh, someone called her a nigger one time. And one of our neighbor boys went up to him and said, you ever say that to her again? I'm kicking your behind. Yeah, so mom, but you guys were, are, and I keep telling you all the ways in which you've been greatly impacted by being surrounded by white people. I think it's yeah. more subconscious than it is conscious. Uh, what do you mean by that? I think the impacts of growing up surrounded by whiteness and viewing your blackness and self through the lens of whiteness has impacts mm -hmm. that you guys can immediately see, like, you know, yeah. I'm not going to go there because family listens to the podcast, but like also like I've, implicitly. I've always thought that was somewhat of an advantage because I know how to handle myself when I'm, when I'm around or surrounded or I'm in a situation where that it is mostly white people. I can, I can tell you, I can tell you immediately the ones who are rednecks. I can tell you the ones who may be a little bit friendly, who I'll, you know, I can engage in conversation, but I know how to handle myself and I'm not intimidated by it. So what you're describing is exactly what I'm talking about. That's a coping and surviving mechanism. Being able to yeah. walk in a room and recognize which white people are dangerous and which white people you'll have a relationship with or be able to manage is the subconscious. So do you see the way you're talking about that? Like that's a benefit? Yes. That's actually yes. a coping strategy. Yes, that you've had is. to twist and contort to survive whiteness. So that kind oh, yeah. of yeah, that kind of proves what I'm saying or like illustrates yeah. what I'm saying. But my yeah. phone is about to die. We hit the hard hitting questions. Yeah. All right. This has been why don't you have your phone charged? <laughs> Girl, why do you even care? And Andrew and Chris check her phone when she's no. doing this, honestly. <laughs> This has been a profound revelation, though. I, this is this is this has added a lot of layers to this story. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. Thank it you was so it much. was it was really something. Yeah. It it was it was a thirty second interaction yeah. that changed Bethany's life and how she perceives different things. Well, and, and, and I didn't realize, like, I didn't want them also. I remember I didn't want the girls to be real scared. I didn't want to show a lot of fear because I didn't want them to be real scared. But yeah. it was so, so, it was terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah. All right. Well, so. Miss Greta, we do appreciate you hopping on the podcast. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Anytime, anytime, you guys. You right. take care. God All bless right. you. Thank you. Love you, Mom. Love you, basically, boo. All my heart. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. My mom always uses my friends to threaten me in high school. I loved Swedish fish. Uh -huh. <laughs> and my, I fucked my teeth up. And my mom was very upset about my dentist bill. I think it was like two grand or something crazy. And she called all my friends and was like, if you see her with Swedish fish in class, you text me right now. <laughs> so that felt like a throwback of saying, look at my phone to make sure that it's charged. Not checking my phone. <laughs> wow.
That was really interesting. Yeah. That was because it's more confusing now. Because she's saying that she always felt like it's racialized. But I think that my mom is so used to white people being racist that it wasn't the feature of the story. I also wonder if she is de-emphasizing the racial element of it because that's scary. It it makes it scarier and it's not something that you have control over. Yes. For me and, and, and for me added to that, like I have been picturing black cats, not in eighties. Like what's a black cat? Just like the little, little, little firecrackers that like pop off that you should not hold them in your hand. They're still dangerous, but like, they don't have the explosive power of an M80. That's a, those are very. Yeah. That was things. basically I, the reason that I kept saying that it was a funny story was I, because I, I didn't realize that someone threw basically it, it was explosive. a hate crime where someone might've killed you. Yes. Yeah. I, this is also shocking because yeah. I told you guys this. I yeah. wonder if because when I usually tell stories, it's funny yeah. that that's how you read it. Yeah. But no, this was horrifying. Awful. I uh-huh. could have killed. It was an M. I thought that I said that it was an M80. That's why I've been surprised by the firecracker story. Uh-huh. But I haven't had. I just it wasn't a yeah. big enough well, deal just for that, me to correct. It's just it. that like the the thing that you, the the thing that you always bring up is how you were surprised. You were thought your dad was mad at you for smacking you, which is like pretty bad. But also somebody literally trying to fucking kill you. Yeah. With a quarter stick of dynamite. Yeah. Is also very bad. Yeah. Um, in the middle of Philly in 1994. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? This isn't the South. This no. isn't the 50s. This was 1994. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, whoa. And I also wonder if, like, little subconscious Bethany did remember it was white people. Because I've been an activist since forever. I have always been like, white people will, you know, organize against you. Like, this is, we need to be responding to white supremacy. I just always used to say white people. So I'm like, did I, like, was that a catalyst that I, like, my subconscious remembers better than my conscious? In any case, it's horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. There's no two ways about it. It's a, it's an extreme, it's a, What's a word that I want to use? It's an embedded core memory that affects my outlook on the world. I'm always waiting for something to happen. I never have, like, that's your back door, but because that's your front door, I need to be facing it because that's where people are going to be coming from. It completely impacts the way, on a very subconscious level, I'm always hyper aware because of that. And I also distrust people. And I feel like you probably, you guys have known me for a long time. You probably are aware of that dynamic of my personality yeah. that like I start with distrust and then I can grow trust. Yeah. Anyways, I feel like this podcast is yeah, no, going no. to the left. I'm wondering. No, I mean, I think this is great. I think it's what, what amazed, what, what I do find interesting is how I, yeah, I could hear in that conversation. I feel like you, your mom was trying to kind of, was both acknowledging or saying that she had always acknowledged the racial element of this attack, but also was like, I don't want to say downplaying it, but it like wasn't the focus of the story for her. And it, it wasn't, it, it was, yeah. And I could see how it might not even even factored in how the story came down to you because it, of the way that it she told it. It kind of seems yeah. like she's still protecting you from that. In what way? Or maybe, or maybe like, 
maybe herself. I don't know. It's just like I it's, wonder if she's protecting herself. Yeah. I wonder that too because yeah. it, what it reminds me of is the way that like I'll talk to my parents or my dad, and he'll be like, "I've never experienced racism." And it's like, well, how about that time we waited a while at the restaurant and they wouldn't see us? And and he was like, well, I don't know if that was racist. Mm-hmm. It's like, it yeah. feels a little like that. It did start to feel that way, which was interesting because my mom's never said we didn't experience racism. We never experienced racism or whatever she just said. Mm-hmm. She's never said that before. So also her point about chemo it does affect memories in the mind and stuff. But like, girl, y'all have 100% experience racism in that small town, in again, in conscious ways, and in a lot of subconscious ways. Yeah, like, even the fact that I... There's that you're avoiding in your small town. Huh? The mountain. Oh, so, yeah. <clears throat> yes. Are you? Do you know who the mountain boys are? Boys, I, I mean... Because like, I don't. I assume this is another story. This is a whole yeah, other story. Yeah, I don't know if we need to go into all of that. Like, so the boys in the mountains weren't in Connorsville where my mom grew up. I think it's like the next town over, but they were just really gruff white boys that had no interactions with um, black people. And they would, whenever there would be racial riots at her school, it would be the mountain boys and the black kids. And she had to ride the bus with them. Also, whenever there would be racial riots at her school, Right. Talking about I didn't experience racism. But when the racial riots would happen, like, yeah, no, that's racism, Mom. But she might be sleepy. Well, I mean, even if your mom is doing that, the impulse to talk ourselves out of whether something was was racist is something that I can relate to. Yeah, I think it's a protective mechanism. Mm -hmm. Like, you want it to happen to other people. You want it to be almost more explicit than Mm -hmm. that. Like this, I think, I think because as people of color, we are so aware of our humanity, right? Like Mm -hmm. we are a person in ways that white folks, because of white supremacy, they can't see us. That I think we want, they're relating to us from the lens of racism and the stereotypes that they have for us. And we're relating to the world with our humanity first. Mm -hmm. So we think, well, it can't be racism. It can't be the system. It has to be me. Maybe I talk too much. Maybe I did this. Like, maybe it has to be my humanity. Mm -hmm. Because you have to be able to see me as a person, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't think that happens in white supremacy. Mm -hmm. I think you see the stereotypes and the ideas of that race first. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense what I'm saying? I, I think it it does. makes a ton of sense in my head. Yeah. That because we're because we recognize our personhood, we want to make sense of it on a human level. Yeah. But that's it's not a human level thing. It's a system it's, yeah, that it's, we're being yeah. Yeah. It's, they're it's, not even engaging with uh, with us. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and it's the, never personal. Right, and the ability to like take yourself out of a situation that you were in, it's like it, it's counterintuitive. Yes. Because I was there, I was doing the thing, I was seeing everything, and somehow this person didn't see my existence. Right. Uh, instead, they, they just saw some idea that I don't even know how deeply I'm connected to. Right, yeah. right. And that's, that's the really difficult part of it. Like I remember, I think I've told this story before too, before my 13th birthday, Lord, 20 years ago as of tomorrow, um, we had a pool party 
and it was maybe like five minutes, 10 minutes before the pool closed. So we were like, cool, we're gonna jump in for 10 minutes real quick, and then we'll leave at six o'clock when the pool closes. And I guess one of the parents of um, one of the pool workers was there, and she started like being so nasty to, we were children, we were obviously children. Um, she was so nasty to us. You can't come in here. What are you trying to do? Blah, blah, blah. And she stood on a chair and changed the clock to six o'clock. When I said, <laughs> when I said, oh, I thought we had 10 minutes left. She stood on the chair and changed the clock. And I remember wanting to cry. I think I did cry. And my mom was like, you can't cry about things like this. Mm. But it was really like, I remember feeling like I must have done something because this adult behaved so this way. There's messages in that, right? Like, even the way to respond to racism. What do you mean? Like, I, I guess, like, when I, when, I hear, when I hear your mom say that you can't cry over things like this, like, is she talking specifically about, like, racism? I don't know what she was talking about. Okay. Mainly what stood out to me was, like, I really wanted to make it personal. Like, I must have done something. I'm a kid. Yeah. This is the authority. I must have done something to make her behave like that. Yeah. I don't know what, I, I can't really, I don't, I can't remember how my mom responded. I yeah. just remember that it was like, oh, we, we kind of just, you got to keep on going. But I can't remember exactly. But I do remember that white woman standing on that chair and changing the hand of the clock. Yeah. And you internalize it. You, you think it's something that you did that mm -hmm. made her do that. Mm-hmm because I see my humanity, you yeah. know, like it must've been me as a person. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not almost the, the caricature that white people create of blackness. Yeah. I mean, that being the case, it's important for us to validate our own humanity mm -hmm. when it comes under question like that. It's important for us to, I mean, I, I think it's important to see to see the situation clearly like it's interesting to me that it that you recognize what happened as like an incident of racialized violence and i think that's seeing the situation clearly accurately, accurately. Yeah. yeah yeah because it could be nothing else what would make what would make anybody throw like you said an explosive mm -hmm. at a family walking home right, right. on july 4th mm -hmm. and it's also I think because I'm churchy, I think of things as spiritual too, but it's also like, oh, we were faced with an energy, with a spirit, with a thing that's that has actually killed my ancestors for years and years. Right, right. That same energy that these men had in that car is the same energy that got people lynched. It's the same energy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. that's. Yeah. 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 yeah I don't yeah, even precisely. know how to put words to it. Like that's um, jarring to feel. Mm -hmm that I encounter this deadly energy that has stolen yeah. my ancestors since they journeyed over here. Yeah. Not being able to see my humanity. Sure. Seeing me, like my mother talking about the guy smiling. I just can't imagine doing that to a family and thinking it was fun. You couldn't have saw children. Mm -hmm. You right. must've just saw animals. Right, yeah. Like that's, yeah. No, and it, the way that you're describing it is like encountering a dehumanizing demonic force yeah. that has worked throughout history. And I think that's exactly, I mean, I'm also spiritual, so that resonates with me, but yeah. I think that's exactly, 
I mean, it's exactly what Paul is talking about when he says that our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but yeah. against the powers and principalities. Yeah. Um, yeah, forces of darkness in the world. This idea that the enemy isn't something that you can, even if you were to catch those guys, you wouldn't catch that energy, that energy, that spirit. Yeah, yeah, it exists in the world. And I think maybe because that that we that energy does exist, whether you whether you want to you know use system, like secular language and call it like systemic, uh, or whether you want to use spiritual language and call it demonic. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> I never felt like demonic and systemic were synonyms before, but now I do. <laughs> I, I think I think it can be useful. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I think it's a necessary framework. Really. I think it is helpful. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm also laughing because I'm thinking of how often demonic was used at my evangelical church growing up. Right. So it feels right. almost. I feel like that's that's why my hesitation as well to say things like that. Yeah. But it is demonic. I like saying things like that. I like reclaiming that language. Do you? I do. Because it fits. I, in, in a lot of ways, it, it fits It fits, fits better than the demonic stuff they were talking about exactly. back when we were growing right. up. Which, like, which... Oh. Somebody trying to kill a child is more demonic than fucking what, Harry Potter or mm -hmm. whatever it is right. that, mm -hmm. that people rallied against. 100%. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yes. That is the reclamation of that word. Even you framing it like that kind of shook me up. Yeah. Because I've never thought of it as right, like, like somebody tried to kill Dungeons me. It's not Dungeons and Dragons. Somebody tried to kill me when I was a kid. Yes. Like that's crazy. I've never framed it that way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Somebody, not somebody, a, a group of yeah. white men. Mm -hmm. Violent white men tried yeah. to kill me. Even when I told the story last year, I said my life would be completely different. I probably wouldn't have a leg. This could, yeah. this would be, I would have a totally different life mm -hmm. if my dad hadn't responded so quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm amazed and kind of ashamed that like I missed those details. Yeah, me too. First telling. Having this retold like so that it actually Six, resonates and, and like mm -hmm. i needed that yeah i definitely did i had the wrong idea and i'm glad i don't have that idea anymore it was like, horrible that is horrible it was horrible yeah i would be a totally different person yeah i also remember the follow-up the hecticness of the follow-up because of my mom's damaged ear like I remember Ooh. having to go to the doctor with her a bunch after that. Yeah. 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 I'm thinking, I'm again thinking of you saying like, yeah, this was a force that tried to kill me as a child. Mm -hmm. And that was not even 30 years ago. Like mm -hmm. I don't, race, racism is so alive and contorts itself and looks different, right? Like mass incarceration, yeah. um, uh, the economy, those things. Yeah. But then there is still just violence, yes. right? The same violence that I experienced is the same violence that Ahmaud Arbery experienced of yeah. white mm -hmm. men just thinking they had a right to kind of be entertained by torturing black folks. I mm -hmm. think of the history of throwing black babies to alligators. 
Mm-hmm. Like that was a tradition in New Orleans. I forget, it might, it might be where we get the phrase picking any from. Um, but there's a specific phrase that comes from throat feeding babies to alligators for entertainment. I'm thinking of the fact that like lynchings would start on church steps and people would have popcorn and like right. get relics from the body parts of blacks. That is the force that I encountered mm-hmm. yeah. and it tried to kill me. Like that's yeah. jarring to consider. It didn't though. Yeah. It didn't. Oh, got it. In in like a literal way. Like I'm so thankful it didn't. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. I'm like feeling yeah. that in my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's craziness. Mm-hmm. If the if that energy exists, then its counterpoint also exists. You know, there are forces that are rejuvenating mm-hmm. and connecting mm-hmm. and resistant at the very least protective mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. yeah let's go ahead and like spiritualize the hand that knocked that m80 away from you as well sure mm-hmm. yeah how quickly your dad reacted yeah. mm-hmm. your parents working to get everyone to safety mm-hmm. i mean even your mom's impulse to emphasize you know, the protective aspects of what they did and maybe even her reluctance to like, Mm -hmm. to confront like you and your sister with the racial reality of what happened as a protective instinct. Yeah. Like that comes out of her care for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The thing I want you to take away from this is that we love you and we protect you. Yeah. Well, can we leave it there? Do we think that that's a good place to leave it? I think it's okay. I don't know if I, it feels trite to me to like pull out a Bible verse or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Should we uh, talk? Could we go into our final segment? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. The last thing we like to do is talk about whatever we're into this uh, month. Beth, do you want to kick us off? Yes. So I can't remember if I said this last month now. But I am super into Slate's podcast, Slow Burn, mm-hmm. where they cover a topic in history. And they also have a um, series where they cover one year in history. But what I really like about this podcast is that it adds context that only people who lived during that time would know. So in the way that it's important to talk about, when we talk about OJ Simpson's trial, it's important to talk about Rodney King. Mm-hmm. and how that influenced mm-hmm. the jurors. Yes. That's mm-hmm. what this podcast does yeah. with so like even they were the latest episode, the latest season, season eight is about Clarence Thomas and his I, I I've just been hearing some yeah, maybe maybe I'm getting it from the same source. Whoa, what his a transformation. Total transformation, like wearing berets when he was in college to look like Black Panthers, like felt like black folks should date each other and white people like he didn't believe in interracial marriage it's fascinating to listen to and then they also give cultural context yeah. so they talked about how saturday night live talked about the uh anita hill hearings mm-hmm. and how saturday night live made fun of it and so in the culture that that trial wasn't taken seriously mm-hmm. so it's a fascinating podcast 
Um, they have about, like I said, they have eight seasons and each season is really interesting. They have a season on Monica Lewinsky that gives so much context and gives a totally different perspective right. than what we had in 1997. So anyways, I'm a fan of the podcast Slow Burn, but particularly this latest season eight on Clarence Thomas. Nice. Um, I am into, similarly, Beth, I'm into a podcast. Um, my, my friend, um, Laurel Beckton, um, the same, the same lady who, um, whose tree I was in in the last Instagram picture of me picking cherries. She started a podcast. Oh, that's fine. Um, and she's, she's interviewing people in Philly who are doing interesting things. Um, her, her, her guest of the, I guess the, the first two or three episodes is her husband, Joe Beckton, um, who's a musician and a historian who worked um, for, who worked at Independence Hall for a long time. Joe, Joe is, uh, so like these, the first three episodes of the podcast, um, Joe is retracing the history of black people in Philadelphia. Oh, interesting. It's very interesting. Things here were complicated. Like, mm -hmm people you you thought would be like pro abolition weren't always like like not all the quakers were oh really yeah like interesting it's so just like it's worth a listen it's called a penny for your thoughts billy nice cool I'm gonna check that out i am into a movie called past lives it's an a24 movie from director celine song I love a24 <laughs> yeah they do make good movies and this is a good movie yeah, it's about um, it's about a couple of kids, um, Nora and Hesong in South Korea, and then uh, Nora immigrates, and then it follows them again when they're in college, and they kind of reconnect, and then ten years later when she's married to somebody else, and he's kind of still in love with her, and it's it's about like longing and about like what immigration does to you and mm. like the lives that you could have led and it's it's beautiful and s really sad and really really great uh mm. so and it's like to understand it as a romance is like income is, is is incomplete even though that's a big part of it sure. it's also about like what immigration does to you and like mm. how it changes you as a person and splits you into like you know and you're filled with like what what could have been what kind of person might I have been in this other context that I'm not like I, I'm not connected to anymore? It's, yeah. it's really good. So it's that a romance really as a way to like really deconstruct immigration. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. That's really interesting. Um, so special thanks to Joe Mahoney, our audio engineer, and to Jared Selby, who does our theme song. Tess Pitino is our producer and social media goddess. And Amy Young does our uh, website. Yep. Thank you so much. Yes. And we want to hear from y'all. We have not been hearing from y'all, and I have a problem with that. So go to our website, colorcorrectionpodcast.com, and drop us a line. Let us know how you are navigating through race and faith and Jesus following and all of the hecticness, hecticness that is in the world. You know we, what? Just we care about you. We want to know you're okay. No, I don't know. <laughs> it's not that compassionate. <laughs> no, we do care about y'all. So write in. <laughs> Right in because we do care and we want to hear from you. Y'all are our people. So with that, stay black, Little Mermaid.